0: Hey there, welcome back to Ohio. When uh, Chris Peel with Megan Henry, she covers education for a dispatch. And, and hey, you know, we don't do daily Ohio sports coverage in the podcast, I like sports, but there's plenty of other places we can get that from. But you know, Megan and I like talking about other stuff than just education things. And uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, and, and Megan was brave. I mean, the Browns beat up on the Bengals, she's a Bengals fan, she wanted to talk about which. Just good. Um, so I thought it'd be nice. I don't want to talk about this, but we're <laughs> recording this Monday and yesterday the Steelers went down to play the Bengals. A game the Steelers really needed to win to really stay in the thick of the playoff race. And I thought it was gonna be an even game, you know. Maybe they win, maybe they'll lose, but they went down and said, Hey Bengals. You stunk up the bed against the um Browns. (laughs) We're we're gonna imitate you and we'll stink up the bed against the Bengals. Um, Bengals ended up winning the game 41 to 10, and holy cow, it wasn't even that close. And I I, I wish I could sit here with Megan and say, Well, this guy was hurt, or you know, make an excuse like, Oh, it was a bad call. Well, I think it was a bad call for the Sears to go on the bus and (laughs) go down Cincinnati because nothing went right for them. Um, Megan, you, you've seen some really horrible Bengals games where they didn't play that well, and you've seen some games where they, play well, yesterday game they played well, I and mean, was this game did played play well. What's your reaction? Obviously, you're happy to win, but what's your feeling about the game?
1: Yeah. Well, Chris, this could be therapy for you to talk about, you know, the loss, yeah. how it was for me when the Bengals lost to the Browns. Uh, so, the Bengals, you know, they're coming off of their, their bye week, and prior to their bye week, they had some, two, like, yeah, embarrassing losses to the Browns and the Jets, So this could be a real turning point. I was kind of nervous, you know, with the Steelers. Luckily, the Bengals had home field advantage. But I was kind of nervous to see if they were going to be prepared and ready to go. So this could be a real turning point. They have a hard remainder of their season, but they're going to be at home a lot. So I think that'll help. Uh, But I was really excited. I did not think it was going to be as brutal of a game as it was. Um, But I I was happy with the outcome. But uh, I, I feel for you. So I was... I was surprised. I don't really know what to make. Kind of like we were saying earlier off air, I don't really know what to make of the AFC North with uh, the Steelers, uh, you know, losing to the Bengals, but the Bengals beating the Ravens earlier in the season, but then the Bengals to the Browns and then the Browns losing to the Ravens last night. So it's really, it's kind of, um, Anyone's game, it seems like, even though the Ravens clearly are on top still. But it's just really interesting how this season is shaking up for the NFL at large, not just the AFC North, but the whole NFL league.
0: Well, it's going to take, and there were some years. I remember when the Suits won their fifth Super Bowl, they were the last seed in the AFC that year. Like, they beat the Bengals in the first round of the playoffs, and they beat the Colts, I believe. I think with Peyton Manning and they beat the Broncos, get the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl. Well, they were the 6th seed. They weren't the best team going to playoffs by far. I'm really thinking that's what's going to happen with the AFC. And again, I'm not talking about the Steelers, but it may not be the team with the best record. It's going to be the team that looks good going into the playoffs. So it could be the Bengals. Um, I know it sounds silly to say. It It could be the Browns. It, It could even be the Steelers. Now, I'm not going to put a lot of money on that. Um, Like, right now, the Patriots, I think, are the highest team in the Hmm. AFC. Now, they beat a good Titans team up pretty good yesterday. I don't see – the Patriots have a rookie quarterback, and that doesn't usually, like, stick for the next 10 games. You know, it's going to take to win the Super Bowl. Um, But, yeah, I I think it's going to be some team coming out of the blue. I mean, I thought it was going to be the Titans there without their running back for the year. Uh, the Bengals could be it you said it i mean they stunk it up before the bye week they had the bye week um they'd be i don't know what to think about the raiders the raiders are a decent team the raiders have been for all kinds of crap here. um you know they lost their coach with that scandal where he was writing awful emails to people um henry ruggs um, you know, we talked about Jamar Chase being a good receiver for the Bengals. Ruggs was starting to get on his own. And then he had the accident that killed somebody. And they mm-hmm. dropped him from a team. And I, they, they should. I mean, it was a horrible uh, case. But what I'm saying is, can you imagine if, like, the Bengals lost their coach, their best receiver, and um, Damon Arnett, I think he was a former Buckeye, he got dropped from a team from an abuse uh, charge. I believe it was his girlfriend or wife or something. So they lost one of their best cornerbacks. So I I don't know about that win against the Raiders. I mean the, the Raiders are kind of coming down a little bit, but they beat the Raiders up pretty good too. So I don't know, Megan. I mean, I'm the Bengals look good past their bye really? week. I'll be interested to see what happens. Who do they play next?
1: That's a great question. I don't totally remember. I'm gonna look that up. Um I should I should know what kind of fan am I if I don't know who they play next?
0: Yeah, come on, Megan. <laughs> uh, they
1: play they play the Chargers hmm. at home, so it'll be in Cincy.
0: Yeah, and see, here's the thing: I can't figure out about the Chargers either. There's some games the Chargers look really good. Uh, there's some games they haven't looked so good. I mean, Chargers have good offense. Uh, they gave thirty up thirty seven points last week to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And, you know The way the sewers played last yesterday, you're like, man, how could a uh, team allow 37 points to the Steelers? So I'm not completely sold on the Chargers. I got the big old schedule up now. They got a decent 49ers team after that. Wow, their schedule's starting to sh- – doesn't look that easy, Megan, to be honest with you. They host the Chargers. They host the 49ers. They're a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. They go to Denver, which is winnable, but it's not easy. Then they host the Ravens. Oh my goodness! Uh, I don't think they host the losing team the rest of the year. Then they host the Chiefs, who are looking a lot better. And then they end up the season at Cleveland. So I mean, they're playing teams with the next three games are against teams with six and five records. Uh, the Ravens are eight and three. The Chiefs are seven and four. I mean, really, the Browns right now is the worst team that they're going to play, and the Browns are six and six. So. I mean, there's no really easy marks left. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the Ravens are the Ravens. The Bengals are looking a lot better. They got a tough schedule coming up.
1: Uh, yeah, they they do have a tough schedule. It's gonna be it's gonna be definitely a battle uh, if they want to make it to the wild or the playoffs. Period. But you know, right now they're in the wild card race. So if they want to stay in the playoff race and stay in the wild card picture, then yeah, they have to really bring their best game every weekend.
0: Yeah, and I I think for a lot of teams, the NFC North is the same way. I hear the Browns have a tough schedule. I think the Steelers, their easiest game is against the Vikings, and the Vikings are a pretty good team. So the Steelers have got a bear of a schedule coming up too. So I don't know. I mean, I know people want to see somebody different, may not like this. I think if I had to pick a team in the AFC, the Chiefs were as rough as they look, They're starting to play better. So maybe the Chiefs, maybe the Bengals. It's going to be interesting. Um, a guy I podcast with was like, oh, this is great. Nobody knows who's going to win. I'm like, no, I got my team. I want my team to win. If my team doesn't win, I'm bummed out. I don't right. like this parody where everyone's the same. Um couple thoughts about that game. It was yesterday with the Bengals and the Steelers. The Steelers actually play, were playing half-decent going into the game. Uh, they had some weird, like that tie against the Lions was weird and um but you know ben was playing better ben looked horrible yesterday i mean and you know give credit to Bengals defense if you have a good defense that uh, helps make your quarterback look horrible um yeah he looked rough they didn't run the ball that much uh nache harris is a good running back for Steelers. i think he had like seven carries uh yesterday which is strange and then what about this megan um i'm not sure how intense of a Bengals fan you are but one thing that got a stewart fans upset um mike hilton uh cornerback which we like for stewart He did some good things i think he was looking for more money than stewart wanted to spend so he left via a free agency and hey hey mike's upset yeah maybe a former job you're like oh they didn't pay me as much so i'm here to dispatch and you know, you don't seem to be the type of person who holds grudges and resentments, but you're probably like, hey, if they pay me more, maybe I would say where I was at. Uh, and Mike's got that same feeling. I mean, he won too much money, and he went, and, you know, and Mike's been bad-mouthing the Steelers all year, and uh, Hilton scored a touchdown on a pick six against Big Ben, and I, I think Mike Hilton got more in appreciation of- from that to anybody else. Uh, He he was very happy that he did that. So we didn't like that part. Um, I do some work with Behind the Steel Curtain podcast, so I want to be nice and listen to the post-game show. And, Megan, your Bengals have gotten Seward fans freaked out. It was a tense show. Um, (laughs) There were fans on there calling for Big Ben to retire immediately. and there were fans calling for all these other guys to leave and Tomlin to get fired, and uh, Brian Davis, one of the hosts of the show, proves lost his mind and was yelling at fans and everything else. Uh, so, uh, Megan, you, you should take thrill that this win over the Steelers, it wasn't just a win. I mean, Steelers nation's imploding. I mean, <laughs> Pittsburgh wasn't happy after that game. It wasn't like, ah, eh, we lost, oh well. It was a rough day.
1: Yeah, it was a beating. It was kind of brutal, even as a Bengals fan, to watch. Uh, for so long, it was just the field goal. So I was kind of glad to see them get a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, that pick stick that you were describing, that was crazy. <laughs> that was insane.
0: I remember – I that happened right before halftime, right? I think, I think
1: so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it made it 31-3, if I recall mm-hmm. right. Now. Yeah, because the Bengals were driving. Pittsburgh actually had an interception. Mika Fris- Fitzpatrick, who – is having a rough year, to be honest If you. Uh, he usually gets a lot of turnovers, and I think he uh, intercepted Burrow, and it was like probably his first pick of the year, which was very unusual for him. And the next play, I think it was, Ben stared at his receiver the whole time, and Mike Hilton read the, the route correctly, ran in for a touchdown. And it was funny, because the announcers beforehand, I mean, it was 24-3. It was a little bit crazy right then, but they say, hey, look, the Seals are getting the second half kickoff. If they can go down and score a touchdown before the break, it's like 24-10. Mm-hmm. If they score a touchdown right after the half, hey, maybe it's a game. Maybe it's 24-17. And then the very next play, Ben says, hey, I'm going to make sure it's not a game anymore <laughs> and throw a pick, and it, it's only became 31-3. to I'll tell you, Megan, and I don't get mad about, I mean, I'm disappointed at lost but I slept well last night, and I'm not angry today, but I, I'll tell you, I was starting to get that frustration and that grumbly and, hey, I'm gonna flame people on Twitter, and it was fun. I used to go down with the ship. Like, if my team's losing, I sit and I get mad, but I watch the TV and say, okay, like like the Titanic. You know, the Titanic's going down. Do you go in that lifeboat and like try to rescue or you just sit there and say, you know, I, I guess I gotta stay here with the team as they go down the heap. I didn't do that yesterday megan my daughter was with me my wife was working and my daughter's like i want to watch a movie and usually i'm like oh steelers time i'm like good what movie want to watch cool. so we ended up in the second half watching clifford the big red dog and although i don't like clifford the big red dog it was a lot more interesting in the second half of the bingo Steelers. it was crazy
1: i'm sure that was more interesting to watch <laughs>
0: So what was with it? I didn't catch the second half. Um, I tuned into the the Behind the Steel Curtains uh, network post-game show, so I got a little flair for what happened in the second half. Uh, It was funny. The Bengals did the smart thing. Um, They removed Borough. I think it was in the third quarter, played a lot of uh, second stringers because, hey, you don't want to get people hurt. Well, on the other side, What was up with this? Big Ben played to the bitter end. I mean, it's 41-3. to He scores the touchdown at the end, which what does that matter? Uh, Okay, yay, they scored one touchdown instead of none, but 41-3, 41-10, who cares? I mean, they got blown out either way. Uh, They talked to Tomlin about this after the game, and Tomlin's like, hey, we had stuff to work on. But he played Big Ben the whole game. He played T.J. Watt, their best defender the whole game. I like Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin got out coached and outperformed and everything. And it, it was frustrating. I mean, Megan, the Steelers have been kind of built on hey, we make smart decisions. We're good coaches and everything. It, it just felt weird to see uh, the Bengals just outplay, outcoach, and out everything. The Steelers just straight. It was wild.
1: Yeah, it was, certainly was a crazy game. I was surprised too that the Steelers kept their. Uh, first string people in until the very end. Even the announcers on CBS were commenting on that too, how surprised they were. So I guess I give it to the Steelers for hanging tough till the very end and, you know, getting some more points on the board. Um, but yeah, I was surprised by that move. I'm not quite sure what the strategy was there.
0: I think part of it is if you had a young quarterback that you said, hey, this could be a quarterback of the future, you try to bring him in. Steelers had Mason Rudolph. He's not the worst guy in the world. He's not their franchise quarterback. I, I think he could be a decent backup even after the Steelers move on from Big Ben. But I think they just got to a place where they're like, well, who do we bring in? If you had like this Joe Burrow like rookie, you're like, oh, yeah, let's give him some time. Let's let him play. But they they know they have nobody. Um, you know, we're here in Columbus, Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> some people are calling for him, but uh, I wrote a piece. I think it was like two weeks ago for the dispatch that did well where the Sewers coaches were pretty much loudly calling them lazy and everything. So I don't know, Megan, it's a tough time because the Sewers are usually pretty deep. They have their superstars, but they have a lot of above average players that really help out. Sewers have still got some really great players in TJ Watt, Kim Hayward, and a couple other people, but their talent just goes way down after the you know first two or three good players. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What do you okay, and you're a fan. I mean, hey, if if the Steelers went out and win the Super Bowl, I'd love to see it happen. I realistically, I know it won't happen. So, Megan, you're a fan, but you're realistic at the same time. Do you think the Bengals could be a Super Bowl team, or is that maybe a little too
1: I don't know. That that might be a bit of a stretch. I think they're a playoff team. I think they okay. use the playoffs, but I I don't know about um, a Super Bowl team, maybe if they can get through the rest of their season, um, on top, then then maybe then who knows? Um, but I, I, I don't know, I'm curious how they'll play later on against the Chiefs. I think that'll be like a really telling game. Um, I, I don't know, I just think of yeah, like the Chiefs and the Packers, um, and the Titans, even. I don't, I don't quite know if they could, um, overcome those teams using that caliber.
0: I can't figure out for life of me and I'm, I'll am i be interested. I'm not counting on victory by any means. I'm just interested to see how they fare and match up with each other. Uh, next week, the Steelers host the Ravens and the Bengals have a couple games against the Ravens coming up. They'll be interested to see how the Ravens react to those games. The Browns are wobbly right now. I mean, the Browns, I don't think the Browns are terrible, but the Browns definitely aren't a good team. Um, Ravens did everything they could to lose that game last night. They won 16 to 10, but their quarterback has four interceptions, Lamar Jackson. You don't win football games when you throw four interceptions. It doesn't matter if you're great or, or whatever the case might be. Um, it's funny. The Ravens are, well, I think they're at 7 3, 8 and 3 right now, which obviously that's good if you're 8 and 3, but they're not winning games by a lot. And they're beating some teams that should really beat up by very little. Uh, so be interested to see what happens. Um, and again, I'm not saying when the great Pittsburgh Steelers play him, but maybe even like when the Bengals play them or um, see what happens coming up. I'm really interested in seeing that. And you're right, too. How do the Chiefs and the Bengals fare? I mean, um, I mean, right now I think the Chiefs, Patriots, and Bengals are probably playing the best right now. So should be interesting. I, I do up Megan. I, I wasn't going to make fun of you if the Steelers won. I, I was talking to a Steelers friend last night, and – I just, I, I'm i just bummed out. I'm not like despondent. I'm not sobbing. I just wanted to see a good game. I came home from church saying, man, even if it lost, I want a, like a three point loss. I didn't expect that matches to just come out and just lay a just an egg like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was rough. And it reminded me, too. Um, I'm a huge Ohio State fan, but I like Ohio State. Same thing happened against Ohio State. It was like the Steelers were trying to be like Ohio State. They, Their run defense was awful. They let the other team run all over them. And again, that's what the Bengals did. I mean, Burrow had a good game, but I mean, Joe Mixon isn't Walter Payton, but he looked like Walter Payton yesterday. I mean, they probably could just give it to Mixon every play and he could be him on his own. So I don't know. I I thought the Ohio State Michigan and the Steelers Bengals game had a lot of comparison, similarities. It was really weird. Yeah,
1: it was interesting. Yeah, the Ohio State, I'm a big Buckeye fan, but yeah, Ohio State. Uh, they just got outplayed by Michigan. They, yeah, Michigan just came ready to play. I think their home field advantage really helped in their favor. This is the Bengals. I'm sure that really helped being on their home turf yesterday in Cincinnati. Um, But, yeah, interesting weekend for football.
0: Yeah, real quick on the Ohio State. And then we're talking more Bengals this time, but Ohio State game, man, Buckeye Nation is is frustrated. Um, You know, we're journalists. Sometimes we look at how we do based on, Who's, you know, who's clicking our paper? Did we, and uh, my goodness, it was a really busy web day. That's why you should subscribe to Dispatch.com. But, man, a lot of frustrated Buckeye fans um, over the weekend. So, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, did you ever hear, I I read something for Dispatch.com Saturday. I had to check this because I thought Fox was making it up. Did you see that story about how, Script Ohio got its really early roots with Michigan?
1: Yes, I, I, I have heard that. I don't know the story, but, yes, I have I have heard that before. So I, I do believe it's true.
0: Well, Fox, uh, their big um, pregame show was up at uh, Ann Arbor for the game, and ESPN Game Day was up there for the game. So it's helping the sports department kind of monitor both shows. And they assigned that story to me. I'm like, okay, let me look this up because, <laughs> you know, we serve, obviously, a big Buckeye community. I don't want to write something up of a mistake, but, yeah, it's true. Fox, a quick story on that. And um, I think the thing was Michigan kind of spelled that O kind of crudely. Like, we found a video that we shared with our dispatch.com story. And, obviously, Ohio State, they're a great band made it so much more better and convincing by doing the script Ohio that's become iconic in college football. But yeah, when I, I saw that story, I couldn't believe that. So man, a rough weekend for Ohio State. The team lost. We found out that their band didn't make up didn't do the original script Ohio. I mean Michigan's gotta be laughing at Ohio State this day. It was rough. And the everything yeah. too the Harbaughs. I mean uh John Harbaugh beat the Browns, and Jim Harbaugh beat the Buckeyes. Man, so... And the Harbaugh is originally from Ohio, so they are probably going to be a lot back out in the state to celebrate if they're having their big family get-together in Ohio, so I don't know. All right, well, good luck to the Bengals, I guess. I I probably shouldn't say out too loud. (laughs) Certain people would get mad if I I say that, but hey, good luck to the Bengals. I I think it's... I got more Clifford and the big red dog watching on Sundays. So it'll be good.
1: Yeah. I hope it's a good rest of the season for football. I think it will be.
0: Are you watching Bingles each week? we they're doing more um Browns games right here in Central Ohio, I think, right?
1: Yeah, I I try to catch as many Bengals games as I can. I, I don't always catch every single game. Um, but I try to catch uh or try at least follow along if I can't uh watch it on TV or something.
0: Well, we got to start talking to 10TV down here in Columbus. Come on, guys. Start putting more Bengals games on or, or Steelers games. The Browns aren't doing that well. I, I I used to, 10 years ago, I used to get a little bit more angry and frustrated about that stuff. I used to tweet at 10TV when the Bengals and Browns were both horrible and the Steelers were great. I'm like, put on more Steelers games. It was just ridiculous. But I don't know. All right. Well, Megan, thanks for checking me, with me. I... Enjoy talking to you. I'm not sure if I enjoy the topic, but it's always fun talking to you. Um, yeah. So have a great week. Hey, thanks, everyone, for checking out the Ohioan. Check out Dispatch.com. And, get check out the Bengals, too. It'll be great. All right. Thanks, Megan. Have a great day. All right. Thanks,
1: Chris. You, too.
0: Hey, welcome back to the Ohioan. Uh, I'm Chris Few here with uh, Danae King, uh, Coverage Religion and Immigration for the Dispatch. How are you today, Danae? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Hey, I wanted to talk about this because I was personally excited. I think, you know, our newsrooms are changing. Um, You know, sadly news has come under attack uh, by some out there in the public. And um, we're trying to double down, trying to really say, hey, we're out there for the community. We want to cover the community. We want to cover different aspects of the community. We're not just in one area. We want to check out the inner city. We want to check out urban areas. And I can tell you, I was really excited. A uh, c- couple weeks now, I believe it was, um, the dispatch went to the Northland area. And they said, we're going to have a mobile newsroom. They had two journalists that were there all the time. Uh, they had other journalists that stopped by. Uh, I worked with the dispatch all the time. I never got to meet half of them in person. And it was fun going to the opening event uh, to meet everybody. And then you were over at Northland for a couple of times. What was that experience like for you just to be part of a mobile newsroom that everyone was doing over there? Yeah, it
2: was really great. Um, so I got to go over there. Um, I went for the kickoff event, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And, um, of course, you and I met in person for the first time. Yeah, um, which is, <laughs> feels weird to say that. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have. But um, we met in person for the first time. But what was really great about that was just... You know, a lot of people from the community came out and they live right Mm -hmm. there in that area and they really wanted to connect with us. And so I just really enjoyed getting to talk to people about Northland. The community has really changed in the past 20 years and it's gone from, you know, kind of, you know, there was the Northland Mall and it was kind of a, you know, a retail community and it's still that, but it changed over time after the mall closed about 20 years ago a lot of immigrants came in, which is right up my, you know, that's on my beat, as you know. So a yeah. lot of immigrants moved in, refugees, and really, they really changed the neighborhood. Um, and as the mall went out, they brought in their own, you know, restaurants and stores and retail and things like that. So it's cool to talk to the residents who have lived there for 30 years and have seen that change. Um, and I got, the, I got the opportunity to do that at the launch party. Um, and so, you know, I think what you'll see from our coverage of that community is just a real examination of the richness of the different cultures there. There's, you know, a lot of our reporters went out and tried different restaurants, um, that have, you know, cultural food from different countries. And, you know, there's different, um, just different aspects of that community that are really great. So I, I also went out and worked there. Um, and it was a neat experience because, um, my colleagues, Holly, Zachariah, and Micah, um, are out there and they just like when i was working there in the library someone came up to micah and said you know i just really appreciated your story and i loved how you portrayed northland and you know i'm just really glad you're here and it's it's really nice to hear things like that um as journalists um especially sometimes we get we get the other end of of that feedback so um it's really cool to be able to be in the community. Um, and as you know, we're going to another community starting next month. So in December, we'll be in Driving Park.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a minute. I, I'll tell you, I mean, working with Dispatch, I'm biased. Wherever you guys go, I, I'm in support of it. It's really neat to see. But I live, maybe it's not technically in the Northland community, but I'm probably right outside the Northland area. So it was kind of fun seeing the journalists come to my area. And, you know, let, let's be honest, I mean, it's a tough time right now in journalism. Every staff probably in America doesn't have quite as many journalists as they have maybe 10, 20 years ago. Um, so sometimes you just physically can't be everywhere. It's just the reality of where we're at as journalists. But that said, I think that's what made what we're doing here to dispatch board special is you're saying look we're taking this time to cover this part of the community like you were saying um you know there was restaurant stories uh i think um, micah saw a story about she covered halloween trick-or-treating when she covered it with northland kids um again that doesn't mean we're only doing northland stories for here and out we're going to driving park and everything else but it was neat to see how the journalists there got to brace the community. I remember talking to Kelly Lecker, the um, uh, managing editor of the dispatch. It was fun because she lives in German Village, I believe. And she was saying, hey, I haven't been up here that much. And it wasn't anything that Kelly had against Norfolk. In. Columbus is a big area. We can't get to every area, even to hang out and have fun. And it was neat to kind of showcase my area to different journalists I mean not been in northland for a while so i mean there's a lot of fun with it a lot of great coverage of northland too um yeah like you said driving parks next kind of more in downtown area a little bit east of downtown uh i'm expecting that journals are going to do the same thing down there same plan just to kind of cover some of the stories to make the area tick
2: yeah definitely and i think you know the important thing about this too is you know we we're going to make relationships and we have made relationships in these areas of the city. So, you know, our coverage, while we may not have Holly and Micah stationed in Northland, you know, forever, they, they have made, deep connections with people who live in Northland and and those relationships will continue as will our coverage of that area. So I'm excited as we go to different areas, how you'll see, you know, I think readers will really see the richness and diversity in our coverage expand more than ever before.
0: It's great because like I said, it's it's difficult to cover everything, but it's neat to see how the efforts being made to cover each individual community. It's it's a great project. It's fun to see and and fun to see continue. I I know I've advised other papers that we have here in Ohio and I would tell any journalist, even if it's not one I currently work with, um, do that. Get out in your community, talk to reporters. Uh, I think there's a lot of misconception from people of what journalists do. And part of it is we just don't get out there to talk to people in the community and, like you were saying, even at that mobile newsroom event in Northland, a lot of people in the community is like, hey, thanks, we appreciate it. I'm sure, um, especially Holly and Micah, got to ask, answer some questions. Maybe the people are not sure what journalists do. So there's a lot of great stuff coming from there. Um, it probably helps you, too, in your religion immigration beat. Are you kind of looking for stuff around Northland and now driving park to, to see what you do? I mean, you, you did that. You talked to a policeman and um, – Minister, about what he wants to do with the Chapin program, we talked about that a few weeks ago. So, are you looking at some of the similar stories like that over in the Driving Park area?
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, there's a lot of rich immigration stories that were in Northland, but I think, um, you know, there's there's religion stories everywhere. So, I'm kind of looking yeah. forward to, you know, exploring more of the churches and the faith community um, within Driving Park and kind of seeing, you know, what kind of people are there and, and what they have going on
0: yeah, very interesting. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Do you know when officially the Dryden Park starts? Uh, were you saying next week or two? or
2: I think it starts December 1st, um, oh, which wow. would be Wednesday, okay. but I'm not I'm not positive. So, um, okay. uh, yeah, look out for an announcement. I'm sure the dispatch will put something out, though.
0: Well, sometime in December. We'll put it like that. But, you know, definitely check dispatch.com. I'm sure i will have them print, too, about when that next event is. But, uh, and. Yeah, well, check the Twitter pages, because I know we've all done a good job of sharing that on Twitter and Facebook, so you'll hear whatever way you you choose to hear about it, so. All right, well, very great, and again, we talked about the Dispatch.com, I got a little chorus in the background here, Uh, but uh, lots of fun stuff happened Dispatch.com, again, we always encourage print subscriptions, I'm an old school print guy, I love digital, but. I used to, man, when I was 20, I would buy four newspapers a day, which is crazy. But I like print. Um, So if you're subscribed via print, continue to do that. That's great. Thank you. But also consider subscribing digitally. uh, 24-7 coverage of Central Ohio, uh, Ohio, and the nation from a lot of partner journalists we have. And my goodness, it's a dollar for six months. Uh, we were talking another segment. I saw a tweet from Mark Williams. Hopefully we don't bankrupt him. But Mark's like, hey, I'll pick a, up the dollar. So let's see if we can bankrupt Mark Williams. You can hunt him down Twitter and take advantage of that. But seriously, it's a dollar for six months. Check it out. Coverage, I mean, we have apps where you can follow us all, every day. I'm seeing, I think it's like 80 stories per day coming from dispatch journalists or journalists that we share or work with. So you're getting coverage. It's not like you're like, man, I, what do I get for this dollar? You get 80 stories a day. Well worth it uh, for the next six months. So check out dispatch.com, go to the upper right-hand corner and subscribe. Well, then as always, it's fun talking to you. And uh, we'll be talking soon about some more immigration stuff and religion stories. Um, not to put you in the spot, but you were finishing up a story we'll talk about next week. Um, uh, what yeah. were, uh, tell us a little bit about that story that you're finishing up.
2: Sure. So I talked to some local refugee resettlement agencies as well as a national one. Um, as you know, we have a big Somali and bhutanese Nepali population here, and um so what I was talking to them about was Biden has put a pause on refugee resettlement for um, until January. And so that impacts our community here because we have a lot of people waiting for um, for their family members, but also some other people coming. So I just kind of explore what that means and the exemptions from that and also how, how it impacts a local man who's waiting on his mother to join him. And she's ill. So... Um, yeah, right. so you can look forward to that next week.
0: Yeah, and we'll discuss that more next week when wow. I don't have a choir behind me, I guess. So, all right, as always, thanks for checking out the Ohio and thanks for uh, listening to Ohio and share us with your friends and check out our sponsors. Have a great day, everybody.
3: Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times.
0: We don't know a lot about the variant, except that it is a great concern.
3: To stem the spread of the Omicron variant, President Joe Biden announced that starting today, the U.S. is restricting travel for non-U.S. citizens from South Africa and seven other countries. Cases of the mutated COVID-19 virus have been confirmed in more than a dozen nations. Biden again encouraged Americans to get vaccinated.
4: We always talk about whether this is uh, freedom, I think it's a patriotic responsibility.
3: Conservatives say Biden accused former President Donald Trump of racism and xenophobia for enacting similar travel bans in 2020. But Dr. Anthony Fauci warned that the variant could create a fifth wave of COVID-19 infections and also brushed off his critics as being anti-science. That includes Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul, who again pressed Fauci over his knowledge of -of gain-of-function research, where a lab intentionally makes a virus more deadly. You won't admit that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. Fauci said no gain-of-function research took place with this virus. Others have called that charge a conspiracy theory. Tomorrow, President Biden heads to Minnesota to promote the recently signed $1.2 trillion infrastructure law. During the Thanksgiving break, many members of Congress touted the benefits of the law back home, including California Democrat Barbara Lee. She told union workers that underinvestment in infrastructure made economic and racial inequality worse.
5: Too often, the infrastructure that we built created more inequality. This infrastructure law now advances equality, equity, environmental justice, unlike any law that we have ever seen before.
3: The House is back in session tomorrow. Today, the Senate convenes to work on the National Defense Authorization Act. The Department of Justice is considering a charge of contempt against former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows for ignoring a subpoena from the January 6th Select House Committee. Former Trump strategist Steve Bannon recently pleaded not guilty to contempt of Congress for refusing to appear.
4: Not just Trump people and not just conservatives. Every progressive, every liberal in this country that that likes freedom of speech and liberty, okay, should be fighting for this case.
3: Bannon Meadows and other Trump allies cite executive privilege for their lack of cooperation. The nationwide right to abortion is at the center of a case before the Supreme Court this Wednesday. A Mississippi law bans all abortions after 15 weeks, before fetal viability. Catherine Colbert argued the 1992 Supreme Court case Planned Parenthood v. Casey which she explains established the right to choose abortion up to viability.
5: Any restriction that is less than that places the question, is Roe v. Wade still the law of the land, before the court? It is my view that they are going to say no, and they are going to again permit states to ban abortion.
3: In a recent poll by the Washington Post and ABC, 60% of Americans said they believe the Roe v. Wade decisions should be upheld. I'm Mary Sherman for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our A-Trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy online at publicnewsservice.org.
4: The Public News Service still a newscast for November the 27th, 2021. I'm Mike Kiefer. Faith leaders are now urging tobacco companies to support migrant workers employed by contract farms. We get more now from Nadia Romligon.
6: A group of clergy will meet next week with representatives from the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company about North Carolina farm workers' right to organize for better wages and working conditions without retaliation. Executive Director of the Raleigh-based National Farmworker Ministry, Julie Taylor, says advocates want British American Tobacco, R.J. Reynolds' parent company, to negotiate a memorandum of understanding that will guarantee freedom of association without retaliation, and ban contract growers and h a farm labor contractors from retaliating against farm workers. If they wanted to sign union
5: cards, if they wanted to advocate for higher wages, if they wanted to organize for better living or working conditions.
6: In a statement responding to a letter written by faith leaders earlier this year, R.J. Reynolds said employers must not retaliate against workers for exercising their rights and appreciates the upcoming meeting as a chance to describe its supply chain responsibility program.
4: The abuses faced by tobacco farm workers are documented, including inadequate housing, pesticide and nicotine poisoning, wage theft, as well as long work hours without breaks and extreme temperatures. A South African doctor, one of the first to suspect a different coronavirus strain among patients, said Sunday that symptoms of the Omicron variant were so far mild and could be treated at home. The doctor is a private practitioner and chair of the South African Medical Association, telling Reuters she noticed seven patients at her clinic who had symptoms different from the dominant Delta variant and described them as very mild. Colorado's switch to having independent commissions draw voter maps already
6: is impacting the state's Latino communities, this year, Colorado joined 13 other states trying to take politics out of the once-a-decade voter redistricting process, and Latino organizers say the creation of two independent commissions has helped communities of color finally win a seat at the table. Mike Cortez with the advocacy group Claro was surprised to see how the recently finalized district lines were drawn.
4: Many of those district maps bear a really strong resemblance to maps that Claro had designed and submitted to the commissions for their consideration, so we're very happy that the commission took our work seriously and we've never seen that happen before
6: in 2018 colorado voters approved amendments y and z to the state's constitution they allowed independent commissions to draw district maps for state and congressional representation using new census data claro identified 130 latino groups across the state and worked to get community members to testify before the commissions i'm eric galatas this is
4: PNS. In Pennsylvania, the Child Welfare and Behavioral Health Services are in a crisis with a worker shortage exacerbated by the pandemic. That's according to a new report.
5: Between low wages and emotionally demanding work, advocates say real solutions are needed to ensure these agencies are able to help at-risk children. The Pennsylvania Council of Children, Youth, and Family Services report includes a survey into the struggles facing many child-serving behavioral health providers. Of the 51 agencies that responded, one in four said it has more than 30 vacant positions. Council President Terry Clark says the shortage has a ripple effect.
6: Whether it's individual therapy, whether it's a child coming into a particular residential treatment facility and they don't have staff, they're waiting somewhere. As a result, we're seeing kids that aren't getting their needs met. They're not able to start to address some of the underlying causes of their trauma.
5: More than half of respondents said they were forced to delay expanding programs as a result of being understaffed. The report recommends allowing providers to receive the maximum allowable reimbursement rate from the state for their services. I'm Emily Scott.
4: Now we head to the Silver State where health advocates are pressing the Senate to approve the Build Back Better Act.
6: The bill, which already has passed the House, would offer 12 months of continuous coverage to children who qualify for Medicaid. A new brief co-authored by Joan Alker with Georgetown University's Center for Children and Families finds that during the early Trump years, one in 10 children experienced a gap in coverage over the course of 12 months. After we saw this
5: troubling reverse, In the progress we've made as a country in reducing the number of uninsured kids, which came to a halt in 2017 and started going in the wrong direction, the Build Back Better bill would really turn that around and start moving the country back in the right direction.
6: I'm Suzanne Potter.
4: Finally, our Eric Tanoff tells us student loan borrowers take note. A pause on federal student loan payments is about to end in
6: February. The moratorium on payments has been in place since March 2020 due to the pandemic, but it will be lifted on January 31st. Andrew Pentis, a certified student loan counselor with the group Student Loan Hero, says the average student loan payment for Idaho borrowers is $274 a month, which can be quite a weight on a typical family budget.
4: The good news for borrowers in the state of Idaho is that more than one out of three of them have a balance of under $10,000. So that's a little more realistic and easier to afford in terms of repayment, as opposed to those borrowers with much higher balances.
0: Pentis says people should contact their loan servicer before the pause on
4: payments is lifted and check into their options. This is Mike Clifford. Thank you for starting your week with Public News Service, member and listener supported. Heard on radio stations, big and small. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book,